In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Today's Gospel recounts the parable of Jesus that we've come to know as the parable of the prodigal son. Anybody heard this one before? (laughs) Now you may have heard it or at least heard of it and maybe you think you know what's in there. It's one of those stories that's been told and retold and has sort of become a trope, the Christian figure of speech in a way. The prodigal son, shorthand for the one who once was lost but now is found, was blind but now can see. It is that, of course. It's the story of a young, foolish, impetuous man, maybe more of a man-child, really, one of those immature guys who most of us know and whom some of us were, who wants what he wants when he wants it, and he wants it now. Dad, he says, can I have an advance on my allowance? No, wait, wait. That would mean I'd have to pay you back. On second thought, why don't you give me my inheritance now? I know I'm supposed to wait until you're dead and all, but come on. His father, without even batting an eye, says, okay. Not, what do you want it for? Or, okay, son, but invest it wisely because it's all you're getting. No, he just goes and divides up everything he has and gives half to this the younger of his two sons. Yes, there is another son in this story, but we'll get to him in a little bit. So you know how it goes. The son takes off immediately, the very next day, to a distant land, and in no time at all, I mean, it literally takes one sentence in the story, he squanders everything on dissolute living. Don't you love that? (laughs) Dissolute living? It leaves plenty to the imagination, doesn't it? I invite you to let yours run wild for a moment. Dissolute living. Well, whatever your conception of dissolute living, in this story, as in real life, it doesn't lead to prosperity or to a good place. It leads to living with pigs and starving and becoming a person without worth in a foreign country who would be happy to have pig slop to eat but is denied even that. Parables aren't fables, in that a parable doesn't have an explicit moral of the story. Still, it's pretty hard not to make some judgment about the arc of this young man's story, from demanding his inheritance to living with pigs. He acted like a spoiled rich kid, which, in fact, is what he was. And then, maybe it's no surprise that he did what most spoiled rich kids do when their luck and their money run out. They run home to daddy. That's an easy moral to derive from the story so far. And remember that older brother? He's been out sweating in the fields ever since the young son has been gone. And today he comes home at the end of another hard day to find what? His brother has shown back up and his father has welcomed him with open arms and there's a big party being thrown in his honor. It's pretty hard for that older brother not to read a moral into this chapter of this family saga and he doesn't like it at all. He's outraged and he refuses to go into the party and he lets dad have it. 
And to me, these are really the most poignant words of the parable. Listen, for all these years, I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed a fatted calf for him. Now I'll ask you to use your imagination again. Put yourself in the older son's place. Would your reaction have been any different? Maybe it doesn't take much of a stretch of the imagination to get there. Maybe you have been that older sibling all your life, always doing the right thing, staying home, taking care of business. And honestly, no one has so much as come up with a goat. I don't blame you if your reaction is the same as the older brothers in this story, or if it applies in the story of your life. And I don't blame you if the father's answer to his son's righteous indignation maybe rings a little hollow. The father tells him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is where the parable ends. It doesn't go on to tell us that the oldest responsible son suddenly sees the light and enters the party to celebrate his brother's return. But it also doesn't tell us that he says, I wish he was dead, stomps off and holds a grudge against his father for the unfairness of the situation, or that he simply accepts things and goes back into the field to keep doing what he has always done. The parable leaves us with the older brother standing outside the party, listening to the singing and imagining the dancing and smelling the aroma of the roasting fatted calf. As I said before, parables are not fables, and Jesus taught mostly and most effectively using parables, these mystifying stories that defy easy moralization or explanation, that always seem to point to something a little bit beyond our can. Is this parable really about the so-called prodigal son? Sure it is, because the younger son is prodigal in the sense of the first definition we find for prodigal in the dictionary, that is, spending money or resources freely and recklessly wastefully extravagant. Of course it's about him, his wasteful extravagance, his fall and rising up again, his repentance and redemption. But we aren't told, really, that he had learned any great lesson. I guess we can only hope that he did. And if you, like I, can relate to this younger son, I guess we can only hope that we've learned our lessons and can learn some gratitude and for the grace and forgiveness that we received through no real worth of our own. And of course, the parable is about the father, too, who was also prodigal in the second sense of the word in the dictionary, and that is having or giving something on a lavish scale. Here I've got to tell you what the example that the dictionary uses for this sense of prodigal. It is the dessert was crunchy with brown sugar and prodigal with whipped cream. <laughs> Don't you love that? 
So the father was prodigal, first by giving his son his inheritance without asking for any commitments or giving any conditions. And the father in the story was prodigal with his forgiveness and his joy at the return of the child, not asking any questions or demanding any promises, only offering reconciliation to both children. How can we not be reminded of the generosity and love of God the Father that Jesus proclaimed to anyone who would listen? Remember, even as the party was in full swing for the younger son, the father went outside and pleaded with the older brother to come join the feast. So maybe this parable is not only about three individual people and the messy family dynamics that get set up with money and responsibility, as much as it is about the spiritual dynamics within each one of us. I said that I can relate to the young son in his recklessness and bad decisions, in his fall and his rising, and I can recognize in the Father God's abundant love and grace in my life. God's grace in my life has been prodigal as the whipped cream on that crunchy dessert. And I can also relate to the oldest son. I can see myself standing outside the party, wondering if I should hold on to the resentments that come so easily and are so hard to let go of, wondering what would be left of me if I gave up on my own sense of self-righteous indignation, my sense of who and what I am. I wonder what would happen if we all went on in and tried to forgive everybody. I wonder what would happen if we all went in together and had some of that fatted calf. Amen.